0: So our philosophy is resolve early, resolve often, and avoid headache. You know, if you go to our site, it's be heard, resolve, move on. That's how we think about it, that in a perfect world, we all resolve disputes very quickly so there's less stress and anxiety and worry, and um, so that everybody gets to resolution quicker, which means you can reduce your liability and get paid out and et cetera.
1: That's Stephen Kane. He's the founder of a company called Fair Claims. In today's show, we talk to him about ODR, or Online Dispute Resolution. Instead of going to court to resolve a legal problem, ODR permits parties to resolve legal disputes online. In our Legal Founders segment, we talk to Tucker Cottingham. He's the co-founder and CEO of Lawya, a document automation and assembly tool. I'm Chad Maine, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about the intersection of technology and the practice of law. In each episode, we talk to a legal innovator about what they've been up to and hopefully get a couple of real-world tips from them about implementing technology into legal practice. Not only is Stephen the founder of Fair Claims, he's a lawyer. Fair Claims is an ODR platform that permits parties to resolve legal disputes online rather than via more traditional means like heading to court. But what is ODR exactly?
0: Use technology to more efficiently resolve disputes thereby making it uh, quicker and less expensive for all stakeholders to get to resolution.
1: At a very general level, there are a few main types of online dispute resolution, and some aren't hugely different than the dispute resolution solutions we're used to. For instance, as we will hear in this episode, both arbitrations and mediations can be conducted online through platforms like fair claims. In those situations, rather than relying on court filings and hard copy memos, evidence and arguments are submitted electronically. However, there are also purely tech-based solutions where disputes are resolved solely by algorithm with little to no human decision-making input. While ODR is somewhat newish, it has been around for a little bit, at least since the 1990s. When the general public really started using the internet and searching the World Wide Web, it was inevitable that disputes would arise. Some of the very first ODR programs were launched at colleges and universities and focused on the study of ODR, but also attempted to resolve disputes between students or domestic-related disputes. When commerce on the web took off, sites like eBay and Amazon embraced ODR for the resolution of customer complaints and disputes. That's when online dispute resolution really took hold.
0: People were talking about it 30, 40 years ago because I remember I went to law school. I was a 2006 grad and I read articles in law school. And that's kind of what got me thinking about it when I was talking to my own clients about small disputes. I read articles then about people who were talking about it in the 80s. So, you know, the moment that there was the personal computer, the idea of connecting computers, uh, certainly the moment the internet was around, people were talking about it. It's been decades in the making. Uh, different companies have succeeded in different ways. It's been attempted at least a dozen times, probably more. Um, and so, you know, as far as the history goes, it's been an idea for decades and then I would say the first company that people would agree developed ODR would probably be eBay, actually, you know, and consumers don't necessarily think of the eBay uh, forms as dispute resolution, but it's very much dispute resolution, you know, same thing with Amazon, Amazon and eBay we're two of the first companies to really execute on dispute resolution. When you go to Amazon, you miss a package, it's a few clicks.
1: To expand on you know how eBay, and Amazon, what kinds of disputes they're resolving and, and how it works, because I think some people, they wouldn't think of that as online dispute resolution.
0: It totally is. And yeah, because some people kind of think, okay, online dispute resolution is an alternative to litigation. That's totally true. But online dispute resolution also gets in front of litigation. And so In our world at Fair Claims, we think information is dispute resolution. Like if you and I are debating who's in a movie, like was Will Smith in that movie? We Google it now and we resolve the dispute. When I was a teenager, we would debate it. There was no resolution. We would just debate it. (laughs) Like, you know, we would have had to go to the library or happen to see it on the news, right? Because I was around when AOL first got started. So so that's a form of dispute resolution. And I agree that it's not necessarily in people's mindshare. And I don't think ODR is in people's mindshare in general, per se. But yes, I mean, with Amazon and eBay, you know, with eBay, let's say your package gets there, you buy something from a seller and it arrives damaged. Well, if there weren't tools on eBay to resolve disputes, you might, what would you do? You might hire an attorney, you might sue them. It depends on the value of the package. But if it were a hundred dollar package, you'd probably have to just walk away. But one of the genius things about eBay and Amazon is you don't have to walk away. They set it up so that you can easily uh, resolve things uh, and get ahead of litigation so that I would imagine, and I'm not a lawyer there, that they've had less litigation over the years versus other companies.
1: And for the most part, there's no human involved in the resolution of most of those claims, correct?
0: Correct. In terms of volume, there's no human involved. They try to resolve it digitally first, just with you know some exchange of information. However, eBay built a huge panel of mediators way early on. And I don't know the exact year, but they had volunteer mediators so that there would be digital solutions and then you could get a human mediator. And so few people go through dispute resolution because disputes only come up half a percent of every transaction or so. So most people don't experience it. People experience disputes, but they don't necessarily, ha- they haven't necessarily experienced a dispute on eBay. I think more salient, they don't necessarily think about it as dispute resolution. And that's kind of, that's kind of beautiful. Because if you're not thinking about it as dispute resolution, you're just thinking, I need to solve this problem. And I think that's what law should be.
1: Like many of the people we talked to in this podcast, Stephen was a lawyer in private practice before he launched Fair Claims. In his practice, he saw a pain point in the legal industry that was not adequately being addressed. But it was a problem that tech might be able to help. Specifically, the resolution of legal disputes involving parties that might not be able to afford lawyers, or disputes that maybe didn't even really need the involvement of lawyers.
0: You know, I'm sitting here at a recording studio in the Arts District in downtown LA. I grew up a couple miles from here. I grew up mostly in Monterey Park and grew up also in downtown LA. And the reason that experience is relevant is I grew up not rich. You know, I can't say I grew up poor because I had everything I needed. But there was a six-month period, for example, where my mother, who worked for the city government most of her career, was out of work. And that was very anxiety producing, you know. And most of my family still lives like most people where they're living paycheck to paycheck. I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. I'm totally fine. And compared to most people, I'm super wealthy or rich or whatever. But I think that because of all of that, and because I've struggled still in my adult life, and I'm about to turn 40 in two weeks, because of that, I still empathize with people who go through struggle, who don't have access to an attorney, like 90% do not, who... Have no idea what to do when they get into uh, some sort of legal dispute or situation, as most of my family uh, has no idea what to do when they're in some sort of not even necessarily like litigation because they haven't been, they're not, I'm not talking about that. And so I see it all the time. And since we've, since I started Fair Claims and I've been working on it for four and a half years, it's amazing how many phone calls I still get about disputes. People don't know what, you know, they don't know what to do about it. And how simple it is for me with my legal background to give them two bits of information or something where they can do something about it. So that really is all, that's the motivation for fair claims. And I think one of the reasons for our success is I've recruited a team of people who are in a similar boat, not necessarily that they're all struggling. Some of them have a good amount of money. Some of them have spouses who make money, but some of them don't. And, you know, I think that means that we're all empathetic of what our end users go through.
1: What was it within your practice or about your practice that gave you the aha moment and says, you know what? There's got to be a better way to resolve disputes. I kept getting calls from people
0: with small claim disputes they weren't sure what to do about. And it was usually, it was it was the typical story, and I would get about four or five calls a month, was somebody owes me $2,500, or I had a work for hire or contract for $3,000, or a home improvement project for a couple thousand or a landlord tenant issue, a 1500 security deposit thing. And they didn't know what to do about it. They called me because that's what people do. If they can, they call a lawyer. I, w- I offered free consultations. I-, I think it was an effective way to get clients and I would have to explain to them. And it was heartbreaking really <laughs> that, Hey, I actually can't help you because I'm going to cost more than the claim is worth. And then they would say, well, well, but then what do I do? And I said, well, you could go to small claims court. Small claims court, of course, is a a nice option, you know, and the courts uh, are very good people uh, with difficult roles who have a lot of volume coming their way. And I would explain to them how that process worked and that they would have to look the court up, file paperwork, uh, that I could only help them really just because I had, I only did this part-time. I had to make money, of course, for my time if they paid me and that wouldn't be worth it so that they had to, you know, go get paperwork, go submit it, um, serve the other side, go appear. They get their court date. It's two to three months out. Go appear in person, make their own arguments. You know, I could, I could just tell they were. A lot of them were intimidated by the process. It was tough that they, there was that timeline when two thousand dollars would make all the difference for their budget, whatever that was. The fact that they had to stand in front of a crowded, packed courtroom and make an argument, and et cetera, et cetera. So the point is that. It's a tricky situation for people when they have to navigate things on their own. And it just got me thinking, isn't there something out there? Because at the time it was 2014, isn't there something out there that could help people? And I went searching. I personally did not find something uh, that I thought made sense for them. And I don't know what happened. Something clicked. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I got obsessed. And so I started just spending an hour a day thinking about it, working on it. I remember taking a trip to Utah where I thought, you know, I can make money with legal work. This is kind of interesting to me. And I set out to start, I don't know what, a little website, a small business. I never thought it would turn into a thing.
1: Stephen launched Fair Claims in 2014 as he phased out his law practice. For now, Fair Claims mainly handles disputes under $25,000, and many are related to insurance claims. However, the company continues to grow. We want to
0: help people resolve any dispute under $25,000, period. And we, we're set up to do that now. And we have a series of uh, escalations. So our philosophy is resolve early, resolve often, and avoid headache. You know, our if you go to our site, it's be heard, resolve, move on. That's how we think about it, that in a perfect world, we all resolve disputes very quickly. So there's less stress and anxiety and worry. And um, so that everybody gets to resolution quicker, which means... You can reduce your liability and get paid out and et cetera, but we can handle any monetary claim under 25,000. And what we do is we have a full stack that starts with information and resources, right? So we're giving you information about your dispute. That's only built out for insurance claims right now. We started working with marketplaces first. Uh, so Home Advisor and Turo and companies like that, where we mainly use arbitration and mediation, but insurance is a great example of where we have the entire A to Z solution. So a claimant comes in first. They look at literally some information about insurance claims, some resources. It's certainly not legal advice. It's not specific.
1: So when you when you say information, you mean what, how the claim going to proceed? What's what's expected of them? What to expect in general? That's
0: basically right. It's kind of like because I think we did a lot of customer development. You know, we all know. I'm sure a lot of us know people have been in an auto accident. When you're in an auto accident, no one's sure what to do. I mean, I didn't know anything about what to do 14 months ago, and so. The first step is, hey, here's kind of some basics on, you know, what goes on with an auto accident claim. That's the first step. And then here's some resources and you can go research some stuff and then they can go Google things. And we say, you know, don't don't take our word for it. You know, we are partnered with different people like the Better Business Bureau, but don't, don't, and that helps us. And we have articles on our site, Good Social Proof, but we say go, you know, basically they can look it up themselves. So, so that's the first step, info and resources. Then there's an intake module where they can kind of. Uh, we have some videos about more about how the process works. They can add information about their claim. They can add, you know, different aspects so medical bills, property damage. You know, is is there anything else that we need to solve for to resolve things here? Um, are you in pain still? You know, is there, you know, are you going to, when are you going to recover? That sort of thing. And so it automatically walks them through a TurboTax type tool. But what we do, and this is where my co-founder, John, is a total product genius. I'm mean, total genius. We empower them to think for themselves about what they think is fair. What that does is a couple things. One, it makes them think about it. And then it gives them a, it, it helps them consider the trade-offs of, if I want more money, is it going to take longer? Can I cover all my bills? But more important than that, it empowers them. So I bought a hat. I went to Yale Law School a couple weeks ago to visit. I just happened to be driving from Hartford to Manhattan. I'd never been on campus. It's a beautiful campus. It looks like a bunch of castles. I bought a Yale Law School hat. And our, our thing is we are all Yale attorneys, or we could be. Because when I do TurboTax, I'm a pretty damn good accountant. So that's the idea is like, hey, this stuff's actually not rocket science. A lot of it. Now, some of it is. Some of it is. If it's a complex claim, if it's over $25,000, if it's more than just soft tissue damage, fair claims is not for, for them. And again, we don't get legal advice, but it's more like if you give people some info and resources, if you let them walk through the elements of an insurance claim, which actually doesn't have to be complicated. I think insurance companies have very sophisticated ways of doing things for good reasons, but From the claimant's perspective, it can be very simple. What we found out in talking to them is, hey, I just want a fair payment quickly. And so what they would want is something in between perhaps a Google search and talking to their cousin and hiring an attorney. Now, if they go through our tool, they still have the option to hire an attorney. And that's fine. And and some people always want to hire an attorney, but some people want a different option like a TurboTax type option. So they go through and, and they see that, and we're very transparent. It says, look, what this comes down to is who's at fault and how much. There's some other stuff involved. But it's really about you know property damage, medical bills, and then if you're in pain, there could be perhaps a pain and suffering component. We introduce some information on how they could think about guidelines. They decide for themselves what they think is fair. I was in an auto accident uh, two years ago. My self-esteem was low after that accident. It's you know, it's when you're just taken off guard and you slam into a wall, you feel a little down. So we're trying to build people back up again in this way that shows them, hey, you can do this. You're gonna be okay. We can uh, facilitate something to get you somewhere, you know, quickly. So that's the next step, and then they go and immediately they can then decide if they want to submit it to the claims adjuster at the insurance company or not. So people can literally go into our tool, get information, and then go hire an attorney. They can go on our tool, get information to gut check the attorney. They can go on our tool for fun. You know, it's free. It's free for consumers. But if they would like to then submit that information to the insurance company, they can do that. And then right away, they're taken into a negotiation platform where they can make offers and counter offers back and forth if they'd like. And then they go into a mediation platform to discuss the matter with the insurance company. If the negotiation if fails, the negotiation, then they go to Yeah.
1: Hopefully. Right. Yeah. And I, su- I, su- I assume the negotiations with the claims adjuster, as maybe if, had they hired an attorney, it would be?
0: Yeah, correct. And, and look, claimants can do this whether or not they have an attorney. They can do this alongside thinking about hiring an attorney it's a perfectly valid option either way and again many cases where they absolutely should get an attorney but yeah if uh, hopefully maybe things settle in the negotiation platform and both sides are happy if not then they can call in a third party neutral mediator who's totally separate from fair claims we it's a 1099 and that person has insurance experience in their state and they work it out from there
1: so is the mediation also facilitated on the fair claims site yes okay And then, so what happens if mediation falls through?
0: Well, in that particular flow for auto accidents, then unfortunately that means they didn't get to resolution. So we don't recommend arbitration for most insurance claims. We think arbitration is a separate solution for separate types of problems. We do think there's a place for arbitration with some insurance claims, like when it's just property damage and they're at an impasse. We have done that for other companies. Uh, we do it voluntary, not mandatory. Uh, and then there's a digital solution there where within two to three weeks, the arbitrator makes a decision. There's a video hearing included.
1: We just talked about uh, insurance claims relating to auto accidents. Does fair claims
0: offer arbitration for other types of disputes? Absolutely. We can handle anything. And with our marketplace customers, with the share and economy customers we work with, the main solution is arbitration. Some of them use, we call it Fair Chat, our mediation tool, which is like It's a chat tool and you can upload evidence. There's some automated messages from Fair Claims to help drive the conversation. There's some deadlines. You can do a video call or a phone call for mediation as well. But absolutely, we can handle any arbitration under 25000
1: So it's basically a tool open to anybody. So if you and I get in a dispute over, I don't know, we decide to start a business and it, it falls through. If we decide, you and I, to use Fair Claims to resolve that dispute, it is open to us, right? Correct. And it would be submitted to an arbitrator, or you could do mediation or arbitration. Correct.
0: And we even put the mediation tool within the arbitration platform, and about 15% of our cases, our arbitration, I shouldn't say cases, our arbitration matters settle with that mediation tool.
1: We're going to step away from our talk with Stephen for just a few minutes, because now it's time for our legal founder segment. Today, we're talking to Tucker Cottingham. He's the CEO and co-founder of LAWYA, and that's spelled L-A-W-Y-A-W. It's a document automation and assembly tool. So, Tucker, thanks for being here today. I appreciate your time. Tell us a little bit about Lawya.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so LawYah is a cloud-based platform, and with LawYah, attorneys can upload their word-based legal documents, and then we use software to turn them into templates that can be easily and quickly filled out online. So, unlike other programs that use pre-can language, LawYah creates templates out of the documents attorneys already have created, and so they use their own well-crafted words, their own documents and turn those documents into templates.
1: And it's a cloud-based app,
2: correct? It's 100% cloud-based. So you can use it from a Mac or PC or iPad on the go. Exactly.
1: And what was the motivation or inspiration to create the app? Well,
2: I'm an attorney um, and I worked at a small law firm in San Francisco and spent a lot of time dealing with a lot of similar documents. We would use you know, the same documents over and over again, but we'd have to change you know, bits and pieces of them and customize them to clients. But you know a lot of the language was going to be the same across different projects and what we found is that it's really you know unfair that attorneys who want to streamline their document drafting have to choose between you know really elementary tools that have a lot of limited flexibility or these more complex programs that are really expensive and hard to use and so you know when faced between these two options of you know something really simple and limited or something really complex and expensive most firms just don't end up doing anything And so we decided to help attorneys, you know, achieve their goals by creating software that's really powerful and also allows them to realize their benefits immediately. So kind of occupying that middle space between um, the existing options right now.
1: Let's talk about that for a minute, the benefits. Tell us about some of the features um, that Lawyer has.
2: If you have a document on your computer, you can open up Microsoft Word. We have a add-in that allows you to easily turn that document into a dynamic template. And what I mean by that is it's not just fill in the blank. You can save um, alternative clauses. You can have multiple choices for different sections of the document. You can save formatted text. Um, you can give yourself hints. And so you can turn your documents into these flexible templates. And then you sync it with LawYaw and you log into LaYa, and you can fill out the journey that you've created and generate that document. You can have multiple users in your account so you can manage your templates across your firm very easily. And we also have a federally compliant e-sign tool so that when you, do, when you actually generate the document, you can either download it back in Microsoft Word and you know, do additional custom edits, or you can go directly to e-sign, send it out for signature. You can also upload outside documents back into LawYah and send them out for signature.
1: And not only um, custom-made Word documents, the app also lets you fill in judicial counsel forms if you're a California attorney, right?
2: Yeah. So we have about 6,000 standard court forms. And so California is a great example. California is super heavy on, you know, pre-printed court forms. And so there's you know 58 counties, and they all have their own forms. And then there's the Judicial Council that has about 2,000 forms. So we have a library of standard court forms. We also have all the immigration forms. Um, in addition to the ability to turn your own documents into these flexible templates,
1: you use Word based documents to to load into it for templates. So I assume that it works with a Google Doc too, if you save it in the
2: right format? If you export your Google Doc into Word, then it will definitely work. Um, What we've found is the vast majority of attorneys are still using Microsoft Word and that's where they have their existing documents. And so rather than have somebody rebuild a document from scratch, you can just open a document that you already have, quickly turn it into a template and sync it with LawYal.
1: Who is the target audience for lawyer, Is it small firms, big firms, middle firms, any type of law departments, any type of lawyer?
2: Yeah. So really we're targeting small firms, you know, from two people all the way up to a hundred attorneys. And, you know, that's the segment of the market that really doesn't have great options right now. You know, that's, those are the attorneys that are really faced between, you know, a really inflexible option that's really simple or a really complex, expensive option. And so, you know, we're targeting both litigation attorneys and transactional attorneys in in small firms.
1: That brings up a point, too, is it really doesn't matter what type of law you're practicing because you probably have the same types of documents you're doing over and over and over for your clients.
2: Exactly. What we've found is that each law firm is unique and has their own documents, but it's a similar set of problems that they're all facing, which is that they use, they have templates that they use or they go to a previous you know client project and they and they make changes in that previous document those are all essentially templates and so you know attorneys that have been doing this for a long time they know their documents really well they know the process really well and what we're helping them to do is to streamline that process using our cloud-based platform
1: and to that point when you demoed it for me before we hopped on here you showed me pleading template and a fee agreement template so you got a contract and a pleading, so there's two different types of documents. So it's really pretty amenable to any kind of document, any kind of legal document that has variables and is consistently used, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So some of the commonly used documents are going to be engagement agreements, you know, fee agreements, um, discovery documents. So a lot of you know discovery documents people are you know automating or streamlining. Um, we also see a lot of motions, as you mentioned, and then on the transactional side, you know, uh, contracts wills and trusts, those types of documents as well.
1: Well, that's cool. Again, I appreciate your time today. So if people want to learn more about LawYah, where do they find you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So if people want to learn more about LawYah, they can go to com slash techlegal. So lawyaw.com slash techlegal. And you can also call us at 415-742-5600.
1: Okay. Now let's get back to our talk with Stephen Kane, the founder of Fair Claims, an online dispute resolution platform. One criticism of ODR, or depending on your point of view, maybe just really an observation, is that at some level, online dispute resolution lessens the need for lawyers and may take the human element out of dispute resolution. However, Stephen doesn't necessarily agree and points out that for many disputes, lawyers still may and do and are necessary to participate in ODR.
0: People are welcome to have an attorney represent them in any arbitration, including with fair claims. We've had plenty of, um, attorney represented claimants and respondents uh, in the platform. Uh, I think that's just up to each end user. So for the end users who cannot afford an attorney or don't want to use one, they don't have to. For the ones who would like their attorney to handle matters, they can do that. Other people go and consult with an attorney as they're going through the process. And those are all open options.
1: A similar critique of online dispute resolution, especially as it relates to mediation, I think people might say to you, well, mediation is effective because it gets people in a dispute in the same room and there's a human element and the mediator can appeal to emotions and their reason. But that might be absent when you're using technology to resolve a dispute. So what's your response to that kind of critique?
0: It's not untrue. And it depends on the type of dispute and the parties involved and the emotions, you know, and we pay attention to all of that. And so, we are not. We don't believe that this is a solution for everything or everybody. Uh, we think it's a different kind of option. We think there are trade-offs. So it depends on somebody's personal appetite for, do I want to get this done quicker? Do I prefer in person? We hear from some end users who say, I don't want to see that person. So sometimes people want to, and sometimes they don't. Other people tell us, I don't want to use fair claims because I want to see the other side cringe in person and piss them off. And you know what? That's, it's America. They have that right. And it, it's fine. So it's just trade-offs. And, and what we try to do is we try to figure out what are the best solutions for certain problems and then kind of optimize around that. And we're not trying to be the everything to everybody. In fact, we take a very small percentage of uh, disputes from the companies with the companies we work with. You know, with the marketplace companies, we're an option of last resort. If they haven't been able to work it out and they're at an impasse, they offer it usually a lot. They either do will do it where it's voluntary or sometimes um, they've decided to include it in their provisions, but it's up, you know, it's kind of up to the stakeholders involved. Uh, we're, our job is to be neutral. Our job is to be open to everybody. So like you mentioned earlier, yeah, anybody could use it. And then, uh, you know, other people will decide that for certain problems, they'll decide case by case whether they use us. And we've seen a lot of different approaches and we continually learn what, what's best.
1: Resolving disputes online is obviously not limited to commercial disputes and is not always handled by private companies like eBay, Amazon, or fair claims. Courts around the world are beginning to embrace ODR. For instance, consumers of any company in the European Union can submit disputes to the European Commission's ODR platform. Closer to home, courts in Los Angeles and other areas offer certain litigants the opportunity to have disputes resolved online.
0: There are several states and counties who have built a mediation platform, particularly with small claims cases where they offer it as an option for people uh, at some point in the process. And it's, of course, different in in every place. And that's really wonderful. Look, you know, I'm interested in people resolving disputes, whether it's through us or somebody else. I don't care. And I think it's pretty cool. And then, yes, uh, Europe has uh, created some online dispute resolution standards. They have a product you can use to resolve disputes in Europe. England has done some interesting things where they've uh, deregulated uh, some legal regulation and allowed non-attorneys to invest in law firms. They are certainly uh, experimenting and have been for the last couple of years with providing online dispute resolution for insurance claims. And by all signals, uh, that's going incredibly well, where everybody's better off, you know, because if you can just resolve things quicker, you free up more money in the economy, period. And then if you can do it in the right way and thread the needles in the right way, which we try to do, then most, if not all, stakeholders potentially could be better off depending on the decisions they make, their litigation strategy, et cetera.
1: So as my talk with Stephen neared the end, I asked him where he thought the future of ODR was headed. And he said, one of the focuses at fair claims is the resolution of non-monetary claims.
0: What we get most excited about are actually non-monetary disputes. So, you know, these, the problems we're solving now are, are big. And especially with insurance claims and getting money into people's hands after an auto accident and having them feel good about themselves and about the result, that's big. And building more trust within society, right? That's really what this is about. But we get excited about things like roommate disputes, right? Resolving those. And because we've all, I don't I, I don't think I've run into anyone who's had a roommate and didn't have some dispute, whether it's monetary, non-monetary, like, you know, I think with my roommates, like 10 years ago, it was like. One of our roommates was was moving out, and we had bought furniture together and the question was how much do we pay each other for the furniture? do you diminish the value i mean these were we were geeks, okay, so we were trying to figure it out and you know what's fair and it's like we figured it out right we 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 figured it out amicably, but we spent a lot of time on it and it was real money and it very well very easily could have gone the other way and there's certainly roommates who fight about Ran and who's going to do dishes and big and little things. And that creates tension. Whenever there's tension and stress, you're not at your best. And you're, you're focusing on your time on things that you could be doing for yourself, for your family, for your friends, that's improving uh, society. So roommate disputes is one example, uh, disputes between, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so what we as a team early on, when it was just three of us, we would go to small claims court just to ask people questions about what are you here for? What kind of, dis-, you know, and and we were able to do that, of course, all by the book. We weren't soliciting them for our business at all. We were just gathering information. We were in the place we should have been, et cetera. But we we're like, what are you here for? Well, it was interesting. There were like three people who were there or two, at least two people we ran into. And we visited a few times who had a dispute against an ex-boyfriend and girlfriend about who is going to get the dog or who is going to pay for something and reimbursement for a ring and stuff like that. And we thought that's really interesting because people are getting married later in life. And so there's probably more of these. And then there was one time where I think it was through the Better Business Bureau who sends us some claims uh, when, if people would like through their, and we're partnered with the California chapter where there were like two or three roommate disputes in a row. And what we noticed is that the conversion rate on the respondent voluntarily agreeing to sign up because these, you know, they can either have it prearranged in their contract or not that it was higher than, than other areas. And we, we thought about that a lot. And we said, well, maybe it's because they know each other. So maybe they're more likely to try to use something like this where they just need a little bit of a push. And so we get excited about solutions on things like that.
1: That's very interesting. And I never would have thought of that. but So it raises an interesting point then, because I think if someone has a roommate dispute or a falling out with a significant other and they're fighting over the dog, they might think for an instant, eh, we could call an attorney for some advice, or I suppose I could go to small claims, but that seems like a pain in the ass. I'm going to do nothing. So how do you, as the founder of Fair Claims, get the word out that there is a solution? There's a solution that exists that didn't exist before and is cheaper and better and faster to resolve these, these kind of disputes that people may not take the time to resolve in the current day?
0: So we, we started working on dispute resolution with marketplaces, the Home advisors of the world for specific reasons. And that was we wanted to see a lot of disputes across a lot of different industries. They also are outstanding early adopters uh, who were willing to take a chance on me when it was just me with a Squarespace site, right? A couple of them, not all of not most of them, who I was doing things manually because it was a problem for them. They recognized that there was value in people trusting them. They recognized that if they could resolve disputes quicker, they can uh, enhance that trust. So we started with them for that specific reason. With insurance claims, we feel like we're solving potentially, because we're just getting started. A few months ago, we rolled out our our first proof of concept customer, that that's a big problem that we think people will talk to their friends about. And we've already seen that happen with our marketplace disputes, where we notice that once a year or so, we get more inbounds. Uh, It's been very slow going, right? It's been four and a half years. But We think people talk about it. We think maybe folks like you are interested in and spread the word. What we focus on more than anything, instead of getting the word out, like with marketing is building the very, very, very best product we can that solves big problems for people so that they might come back. Like when Starbucks uh, just built, you know, when they built beautiful stores and grew slowly, we we're in an industry, the startup industry that both evangelizes and worships uh, hyper growth. We believe there will be a point where we hit hypergrowth, but we think the way to get there is by slowly and methodically establishing micro and macro trust with every single person who's involved. And that at some point, enough people will talk about the result they got. And look, some of them get pissed because they lost, but at least people know it's an option. Um, We do other things. We mainly reach out to you know, influencers and stakeholders in law, you know, we think the more lawyers who know about it, they can decide for themselves if it's something they think is interesting, if they want to recommend it uh, to a client.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that's a great start is, is lawyers recommending to the clients, because we've all had those calls. You talked about it earlier in the podcast, it's, it's a $2,000 dispute, the lawyer, it's not feasible for a lawyer to handle it. Now they have a, a place they can refer their clients to. That's a, that's a great point there.
0: Absolutely. I always felt guilty when I had to turn people away. And so, yeah, so we, we think that over time, and, and I think we're similar to Airbnb in that way. Airbnb was slow, 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 slow. And then at some point, enough people talked about it that it became a thing. We, that's Look, I mean, we do things to reach out to groups and our investors are happy because we are you know selling enterprise software and I suppose services, depending how you look at it, to big companies now where we can make money. We want to become the place people think about and go to when they have any kind of dispute once we kind of gain trust in each category and then at some point hit enough momentum and an inflection point uh, so that it becomes more of a thing.
1: That That's great. And your point about Airbnb is is very apropos, I think, because what you're talking about is a change in mindset. With Airbnb, it was like, why would I ever rent out somebody's house or why would I rent out my house? Right. It's real similar. It's you know, in it, with enough momentum, it finally changed the way people look at staying overnight somewhere. Yeah, and you know, it can be the same for what you guys are doing. It's just a change of mindset and getting the word out that there is there is an alternative where one might not have existed before. Absolutely. Well, cool. I appreciate your time, Stephen. If people want to learn more about Fair Claims or get a hold of you, how can they do that?
0: I'm on Twitter. So Stephen L Kane with a pH, Stephen L Kane. Feel free to DM me. Info at FairClaims.com. We we try to be as quick as possible. Uh, Fairclaims.com to check out the site. You know, hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, whatever works for you.
1: So that's a wrap for this podcast. As always, I really appreciate you listening. I would also like to say thanks to all our listeners who submitted our name to the ABA for consideration for their Web 100. We made the list for one of the best podcasts of 2018. That's a nice honor and we really appreciate it. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on most major podcasting platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. If you like us, I'd also hope you give us a favorable rating. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at cmain at percipient.co. That's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co. Until next time, this has been Technically Legal.